Welcome to the Comics Experiment, the show right here at Comic Storian that goes live at our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash comicstorian, every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. It's then uploaded unedited to our Patreon, patreon.com slash comicstorian, and YouTube memberships, where you get early access to the show. Then we upload it to the YouTubes, where you can watch it every Saturday morning, and iTunes, and Spotify, and SoundCloud. This is the show where we sit around and discuss topics that are interesting within comic books. We go through various theories, we go through various discussions over like the ideas and concepts behind comic books, and sometimes we get lazy and just pull up a list from another website and make fun of it. You can watch this show all the time. We love doing it, and today's sponsor is G Fuel. I've already <laughs> mostly finished my G Fuel, where yeah. right now you can get 10% off your order if you go to G Fuel and pop in the code COMICS at checkout. Yeah! As you can tell, I'm your main host, the Bloody Bear, known as Gloomy Bear, joined by a Loch Ness monster from the video game Black Desert Online and generic Halloween lumberjack number two. What happened to one? He died. <laughs> Whose blood do you think that is? <laughs> That's Today's episode is going to be a bit weird, guys. We're going to talk about some of the more topical stuff that came out, some of our favorite horror stories within comic books and stuff like that. It's not going to be a very long discussion because if you look to the title, I got to conduct an inter interview with James Tynion, or Tynion, however you really want to pronounce it. He doesn't get offended either way, but if I remember correctly from our talks, it was Tynion. Yeah. And if I'm wrong... Well, I, I really do apologize because I'm, I'm notorious for messing up names. But either way, he is the it upcoming is writer true. for Batman. Uh, he'll be taking over at issue 86. He is currently writing Justice League Dark. You may know him from his horror books, uh, Something is Killing the Children. Mm -hmm, his mm -hmm. other indie book, The Woods. You mm -hmm. may know him from Batman and Robin Eternal. Mm -hmm. You may know him from... What else has he done? Because you, you, uh, you've gone farther back with him than that, I believe. Well, he's currently also doing the Legion Just of Doom... Uh, issues in between from the Justice League. Mm -hmm. Yes, where he he's did, doing Justice League Dark. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he did a few Batmans back in the day. I think he was on a different Batman book. I can't remember which one off the top of my head, though. Detective. Detec yeah, yeah Detective yeah, was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did the whole Clayface thing. Yeah, yeah. And we oh, he did Clayface? Yep. Yeah. Oh, that was the And we talked about his, how he, wh why he chose Clayface to be the monster, how the his treatment of Man Bat in the Justice League Dark is completely different from that. Sure. We talk mm -hmm. about what he's doing on the upcoming Batman, what he's allowed to say, because this is still kind of early for... Right, right. We still got, what, like four or five issues of Kings right Yeah, yeah. So he, he didn't go too much in it, but he was able to allude to quite a few things, mm -hmm. how it is working with Scott Snyder, Joshua Williamson on the entire Justice League thing, and what mm -hmm. they're doing with the villain, and all of this stuff. It's a great chat and it's going to be popping up on this video in about 10-15 minutes but while we're chugging our G fuel and we're having a great time in costumes Andy what it would What's your favorite horror story? I broke. <laughs> Did you start the three beers in the topic early? <laughs> Another oh show that gosh. we filmed live on our channel, twitch.tv slash comic story. <laughs> good plug. Yeah, that was yes. a good plug. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very hot in this. You think that's you hot? I look, can't even see where you are. I'm going on sound. You do look really hot in I, that. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. I'm, I'm almost like a dinosaur. I can't see it. Just going on sound. It's <laughs> not how dinosaurs I don't think dinosaurs... I'm pretty thinking, sure they can see. You're thinking bats. I oh, think. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bat. <laughs> it's Halloween. <laughs> this is when do bats go? <laughs> <laughs> Some sort of weird bat spin ads. So, what's your favorite horror comic book, Andy? Because <laughs> we got to kill ten minutes. <laughs> I Oh, no, no. Better question. Better question. Mm. Uh, Dan earlier asked, he said, what we should do is make our own Justice League Dark, but yes. in Marvel. And I said, I think that's so Midnight, Midnight Suns. Suns. Yeah. yeah. So, Andy, tell, explain to me which I what respond with, who? 
Exactly. Explain <laughs> Dad what the Midnight Suns are, because I don't know where he is. Uh, the Midnight Suns were basically Marvel's version of Justice League Dark. Oh, okay. <laughs> However, they did it first. Oh, okay. It was from like the 70s and 80s, I believe. It was uh, Ghost Rider, Hannibal King, Blade for a little while. I believe Doctor Strange. Well, Blade's an Avenger now in That's literally true. everything Avenger related. That's true, yeah. It's weird. They it's make, like, they make it, sure I, that you know. It's almost like he has a movie coming up. Maybe. Is it a movie or a show? It's a movie. No. It is a movie? Yes. Okay. Is it? It is a movie. I know Ghost Rider keeps getting tossed around. Apparently he was on Hulu. No, he's not on Hulu. No, he's part Who of the knows? Who knows? Just bake it. Uh, my favorite horror comics of all time. Yes. Uh, two spring to mind immediately. Uh, one being American Vampire by Scott Schneider. It's is that really horror, though? There are very horror-ish aspects uh, to it. It's like superhero vampires. Uh, earlier, it's very horror. <laughs> uh, I like how you didn't discount what I said. Well, it does kind of turn into like superhero vampires. Right. Um, uh, and then uh, it's no longer running. It was finished. Uh, Lock and Key by Joe Hill is fantastic. Who's now currently doing some horror books in DC Black Label. Yes, that is mm. true, Ben. Thank you. It's almost as if I thought of that. Um, <laughs> which different Joker one is he doing? It's true. No, his are actually horror based. So oh, okay. Joe Hill is actually the son of Stephen King. Wait, oh. really? Yes. I did not know that. Yes. Huh. Uh, Joe Hill is the son of Stephen King. Uh, Lock and Key was kind of his haunted house demon thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say it was six volumes. I forget how many individual issues. I, I have them I here. I read it in graphic novel form. Uh, it is fantastic if you're looking for kind of a spooky fantasy haunted housey thingy. <laughs> That's okay. a good description. I That's thought. a great description. So for me, yes. I know exactly what I'd be getting into <laughs> now. So for me, uh, immediately off the top of my head, um, you guys know I'm a big fan of Scott Snyder's work. Yes. And two of his immediately popped to mind. Mm. Witches. Yes. Witches fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Rot World, if you want to take a, a superhero spin on it. Ooh. Rot, you even liked Rot yeah. World. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've been sitting here trying run, to think. Right? Yeah. It was a yeah, yeah. uh, Swamp Thing, and he goes into the Rot, and then it turns out it's been like 50 years or something yep. while he's down there, and he thinks it's been like two days. Yes, that was you know, that never older happens. one that's complete. You can read it all in one sitting right good. now. Yeah, very good story. What very about you? What are your favorite horror books, dude? Actually, I was having trouble even thinking of any. Rot World, I think, is the... Scared. Uh, scared. <laughs> well, it's just not usually my... Yeah, your not cup, my of cup of tea. Yeah, 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 I got you. I mean, I, as people know, I don't like scary things. Which is why it's hilarious when you see scary things. He didn't go see It with us. No. <laughs> Honestly, of course was, not. That was one of the funniest horror movies I've ever seen. I know, it really was. Well, It too. That yeah, you're too. Yeah, one yeah, yeah, was yeah. still pretty funny. I would say it was less funny than if the, okay. the kids reaction. <laughs> you agree with me or I shoot you. No, no. Don't pull that out of there. You know how hard it is to get this thing to sit. I got it. I got it. How hard it is to get this thing to sit properly. Early Andy was seeing like trying to get it out and he's like, how do they do this in video games and movies? Hold on, I got it. Nope. Ah! All right. Now I can't get it back now in there. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> All your weapons so, just start lighting up on our table. It's like, there <laughs> is. Yeah, this one if is the dead, show up. I'm all set. Uh, what was I starting to say? What were we talking about now? I don't even remember anymore. Uh, Dan's not afraid of it. Oh, oh yes. Uh, <laughs> I would say episode. a couple other Scott Snyder books are Wake is very good. The Wake. Wake is good. Uh, uh, Chat mentioned one that I'm a huge fan of. Arkham like Asylum, a serious yeah. night on yeah. the serious hill or serious house. Yes. I'll count that. Which serious one? house on a serious Blackest hill. night. It's got some spooky moments. I'll, I'll it. give it to him. It's not a horror comic. But yeah. yeah it's like, In Dan terms. <laughs> is that what we're I have a different tier list. Like, Most people like, are like, here's the list. And I'm like, 
Here's the list. <laughs> Dan's like, I can only read it on a Saturday at noon while standing yes. in the yard. <laughs> I need I need light shining on me yeah, from yeah, all, all directions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Honestly, half the time when I get spooked, I start walking around with my back to every wall. Sure. He that way they actually can't, what they can't we do? sneak up when on we you. Used to do, you're gonna like this. When we used to play the scary games here at the office, right? Yes. When we started doing Twitch initially. We used to do gaming stuff, and then we would do these podcasts on the same channel. Yes. Many people know that. Um, yes. But one thing we did to try and get it off the ground was we did scary game nights with Dan and Natalie, where Dan would freak out while Natalie was trying to cheer him on or tear him apart, whichever was more convenient at the time. Some of the I, games... I was, do remember watching one. I want to say you guys were playing... Uh, Probably the Evil Outlast. Within. Oh, okay, Evil Within. And you actually two. screamed and jumped out of your chair. Yes. <laughs> and for everyone yeah. wonders if that was staged. That was his legitimate reaction. The reason we had to stop doing the series is Dan was get having like mental breakdowns. I, I'm I not was. even joking. No, I was. I, I was. So first off, uh, Benny would constantly be like Dan. You need to stop screaming that loud. And I'd be like, Benny, I have no control over how loud I am screaming right now. Uh, but because when we were playing Outlast 2 and there's like occasionally just that creepy shadow in the... Yes, the, yes. I got really, really creeped out because sure. we would always end stream and it would be super dark out. Right. So, so I'd make him... Drive home. I would make him watch me walk to my car. <laughs> I had to walk him to his car. No, you didn't have to walk me to my car. I just needed to make sure someone was watching yeah, just in case. Someone had a line of will protect you yes, from me. Thank you. You're fine. <laughs> yes, thank you. Everyone knows a shotgun will help. I would like everyone to know that Dan is also 45 years old. <laughs> you, look, you look good for your age. Well, thanks. So I think that's enough of us rambling uh, to fluff out the episode, but I think we should have a little bit of fun. I wanted to do some Halloween stuff, but we didn't want to like spend talking about scary stuff in that 45 right. minutes and really not have no purpose. So those yeah. are some great horror books that we enjoyed. Mm -hmm. uh, this is why Dan's a big baby, but we love him anyway. Actually, you know, the funny thing about me being scared of horror things mm -hmm. is whenever I come up with like horror ideas, it's always incredibly dark and really, really like, intense. Cutting your victims up and turning them into like a yes. costume. <laughs> you mean like Quilt Man? <laughs> Quilt Man. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, I will put a little indication at the bottom so you know to jump to this portion. But now we're going to cut to the interview with James Tynion talking about uh, all the stuff I mentioned. Justice League Dark <laughs> and all of his. My uh, brain individual is now cooling comics. off. <laughs> He's like, my brain is gone now that my hat's up. What the hell? We'll be here at the man. end of the episode when you guys are done with that. All right. Uh, yeah, we can just go ahead and get started then. Uh, where do you want to? Do you want to start? Uh, you know what? Let's start with Justice League Dark. Let's, okay. let's start there. Yeah. Let's go ahead and that. Uh, Justice League Dark's been great. I've been enjoying it since the beginning. Uh, where the big question I've had when I asked a couple of the people on the staff, like, what would you ask him when we finally got to talk to him about Justice League? The big question was, do we foresee you getting any Justice League Dark involved in your Batman? I don't know if you could say any of that. Those characters popping up. Oh, and that follow-up was also is why is Bobo Chimp awesome? <laughs> <laughs> well, Bobo is one of the best DC Comics characters. He is absolutely ludicrous. He is it's you know, just writing a drunk chimpanzee like <laughs> makes any book better. Just right. flat out. Uh, you know, when we when we started playing with him and some of the side material around uh, the uh, Dark Knight's metal, it was just like, OK, this is a character who needs to come back to the forefront. And when I was building the lineup of Justice League Dark, that was a a big part of it is like I was a huge fan of, you know, the Shadow Pack book uh, back in the day. And that, you know, that had Detective Chimp in a big way, like up front and center talking, dealing with all sorts of magical characters and the Oblivion Bar and all of that. So I wanted to bring 
some of that into the series and just, you know, give it that flavor. Uh, you know, but the, in terms of Batman, uh, there is obviously a Batman character in my Justice League Dark Run, which is Man Bat. And, right. you know, Man Bat is a character who I love, love, love writing. And, you know, he's not the first uh, Batman villain that I've written in, as a part of a team book. Uh, that where you wouldn't expect him as a member. And, you know, now that I'm back on the main title, would, you know, could we possibly see some of these Gotham monsters popping up in some way? Uh, I can't say so much, but uh, <laughs> it is though, like, the, it's funny because at the, you know, in the same way that in my detective comics run, I had Clayface in a big role. I only actually wrote uh, like two stories that had Clayface as a Batman villain. I haven't actually gotten to write that side of that character in the same way. I haven't really been able to write uh, man bat as uh, like in his more villainous and more frightening form. Right. Uh, I guess a little bit in the last couple of issues of justice league dark, but that's, you know, he's being uh, manipulated by magical forces. Like, like we all are from time to time. Uh, I like his transformation to get like, cause you were like, well, I've made regular man bat look normal. I need to make him look villainous and monstrous to be a tied into this. So you can see the very clear indicator that this is not the same man bat. I was playing, uh, I, uh, after the Dr. Fate and the order with the sons Lord of order, chaos, Lords of order. Lords yeah, of yeah. order. Yeah. I'd fallen off right there. So I was catching up right before we had talked and I opened up the latest issue. Cause normally I'll catch the latest issue and then go back to see what's going on. And I'm like, what happened to man bat? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No, we, uh, we went all out in these last few issues. And I think it's, you know, part of it is I, you know, it's reading, uh, amazing books like the immortal Hulk over at Marvel right now, which has had some of the best body horror in all oh, of yeah. comics. Like, and it's just like, okay, I've been doing some spooky body horror stuff in uh, <laughs> Justice League Dark, but I need to have a few moments uh, like it, where that that get, it comes in in a big, big way. So, yeah, that's uh, I like. Yeah, <laughs> bringing. So you brought. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, yeah, this is for you to be able to say whatever you want. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I all I was saying is just uh, you know, I wanted to. Like we've part of the whole point of having man bat as a member of justice league dark was to sh have a mad scientist be a part of the team. We said sort of each character kind of oversees a different dominion of horror in a way. And uh, Matt, like having a mad scientist, that kind of archetype as part of the team, someone who is, you know, approaching magic and all of this horror from a scientific angle and is excited by it and wants to research it and dig into it. That was that was something I really wanted to do. So seeing him go full like you know, like Herbert West reanimator, scary like you know, with the glowing and like the injection into his neck and transforming into the most horrifying you know bat thing that he could possibly be. <laughs> that was something that I've wanted to do for a while. I, actually, it's one thing that I've really enjoyed about Justice League Dark. Like a lot of team books, like to just go, everyone's on the team, and there's no actual answer behind it, even if it doesn't work for the character. Um, and I love that your take on it has been like, here's the team, and they're all people that work individually, so they don't actually want to be in a team, and some of them don't even call themselves in the team, but they're always here, and you know they're always <laughs> here, but they're not actually on the team, you know? <laughs> right. No, and that's, that's one thing I've liked about it. You've really respected the way the characters would act in this type of a situation, as opposed to just 
everyone's on the team. Constantine and Swamp Thing are your best buds now. Like <laughs> Exactly. And that that was definitely part of the plan from the beginning. It was meant to be this is the oddball team because Wonder Woman goes to the people you would expect uh to be a part of the actual team team and they say no. And it's the she sort of collects these oddball monsters and they become uh, they become this like t- tight knit family. Um, of oddballs who are still very individualistic and still going off in their own directions and Bobo is still getting drunk in the oblivion bar and you know they're they're getting into all sorts of mischief but it is still you know it's a magic apocalypse going on so they still have a lot of work to do well going back to Bobo with his oblivion bar did when you started this did you decide you wanted him to have the sword and become this all-powerful being who chimp with a sword that can tap into the other universe. Try to think of the official name. You had the arc where they went to the other universe. And he oh yeah, the the uh, Mira is the so it's the Sword of Night and Nightmaster uh, was Nightmaster. The... That's the word. I wanted to say Black Knight, but that's Marvel, and I'm like, that's <laughs> yeah, not yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I I wanted to do that from the beginning because a lot of it was just wanting to tap into the Shadow Pact era and tap into some of his relationships from that book. And Nightmaster was such a big part of that. And we saw him die in Dark Knight's Metal. So it was something that I wanted to pick up from what, you know, he was killed by the Batman who laughs in in that story uh, because they were using the Oblivion Bar as kind of this, you know, retreat while the, you know, Dark Multiverse was invading. So, the you know, it was something that I wanted to carry forward some of the beats that had been laid down and actually like live in the horror of you know you see your your best friend killed by this impossible monster from another dimension and then you are left with all of this responsibility so it's you know this is a character who has always been an irresponsible character and a bit of a drunken lech and now he is actually you know, he, he's left the bar and he's more than the bar. He's left with the responsibility of becoming this great hero. Who he do, He's never so, seen himself as a great hero. He's a detective. You know, he, he, he has a great mind and he has a great amount of confidence in his ability to solve a crime. But he doesn't have uh, great confidence in his ability to actually save people because he's never really been able to save himself. And there's just that kind of internal conflict. Just, you know, it, it really drew out a lot of his character for me and it's like i've always loved sad monsters as a kind of character archetype which is why i've filled my entire team with sad monsters <laughs> uh, but yeah no that's uh he's a character i love writing i love writing like all of the characters in that book but uh bobo in particular so okay going back to sad monsters then i think it's i, I was i was debating if we should go this far back into your more recent history i guess uh but your detective comics run I was obsessed with your Detective Comics run. I loved everything you did in that from the how you handled Tim Drake to how you handled Batwoman. But specifically, I loved Orphan and Clayface's whole relationship. When, why, I'm trying to think the best way to word it. Because I know you, you had to take him down at the ending to make the whole thing hit, to make yeah. it all make sense. When you brought him down, were you, you knew they were going to bring him back. Because DC Comics, like we all knew, no one could stay dead ever. Yeah. Uh, why did you not bring him back for Justice League Dark? Or did you feel you maybe you were just done with him at that point? Um, I, I, that's a good question. I mean, for one, I want, like, he's sort of the wrong type of monster for what I'm going for in Justice League Dark. Uh, it was, he was part of the conversation when we were, when we were talking about it. But uh, it was, you know, honestly, I saw a different direction that I wanted to take the Clayface story if I returned to it. 
uh, which is still like in the back of my mind if I ever decide to pull that trigger. But he is a character that I really, really love. And, uh, you know, I remember when I started laying out my, you know, long form plans for Detective Comics and Clayface was the the surprise in it all. Like I knew that I wanted to, you know, I, I knew like I had a bit of a connection with him pretty immediately, but it was he was a character who I really connected with as the story went along and the the relationship with Orphan uh, that developed in that story, uh, him and Cassandra Kane was like, it was very organic. It wasn't something that I set out to do. That wasn't in one of the like initial pitch documents or anything, but I saw this connection, which is just the fact that, you know, Cassandra sees herself as a monster because she's killed. Unlike the, you know, the rest of the bat family, she, she is a killer and she feels like she's not worthy of being, uh, being part of the family, even though she's, you know, like she's been on the hero's path for a while now in the, in the current continuity, like uh, that started with Batman and Robin eternal. And that's what I was from. So it was, I wanted to tap into that um, because she would be the one most likely to open up to Clayface because everyone else would be like, this is a big, scary Batman villain. Why is he being allowed to like run around in our, uh, you know, in our base and uh, work with us in this way? Uh, but she would just see him as a person, and you know, and then it's also one of those things where he would see that it's like she she's carrying this kind of weight that's you know she doesn't deserve to be carrying. Uh, she has a whole life in front of her. Clayface has committed so many sins, and that was the whole point of the, you know, the. Uh, whole part of the victim syndicate arc where, you know, Clayface, you know, has really hurt people, really, really hurt people and, you know, destroyed their lives. And, you know, and regardless of where he was, uh, you know, mentally and emotionally at that point, like he has to live with that. And yes, like, you know, Cassandra Cain did, did something, but she was manipulated into it. She was built into this thing against her will. And then she has spent, the rest, you know, the the rest of her, her young life atoning, and he wants to give her the tools to become a person. And uh, him being able to connect with her through, you know, the they, the scenes where they would be doing Shakespeare back and forth, and it's just like tapping into his life before he became Clayface as an actor, and uh, sort of giving her voice to some of the emotions that she doesn't know how to talk about. Like that was something that I, you know, I'm I'm very proud of all of that and that entire relationship. Oh, that that relationship was one of my favorite parts of the Detective Comics run. I remember when it was first announced that you were going to be writing this book with Clayface on it. I won't lie. I was like, Clayface? Really? Of all the characters that are going to go on a team? And right off the bat, I was like, this is something. This is something special. This isn't... You didn't just like, oh, I need to put a villain on it. Guess it'll be Clayface. You know, like you you had a plan. Well, the funny Uh, thing is, is that when it started, it was a little bit more like, okay, you need, who's the wild card on the team? Who were like, and we, we sat in a room sort of talking about who, who are potential characters who could come into the mix that, you know, who do you see as a part of that lineup that you're immediately like, oh, wow, why are they there? Like, and, and honestly, the other character that we talked about for that role was Kirk Langstrom, Man Bat. And that's why that sort of sat in the back of my mind for <laughs> for those few years. And then when we were building building out uh, Justice League Dark, it was like, okay, this is, you know, the moment has come. I'm ready to I'm ready to tell my Man Bat story. Uh, so but I, I'm really all the way back to the Clayface? Clayface. 
I'm, I was gonna say all the way back at Clayface, you were planning Manbat as another character to use in that role. No, no, no. It was it was one of those things where we were uh, like when we were just the very initial planning stages. We were talking about like who is the who's the wild card character we can put in, and the okay. the choice was kind of do we want to do Clayface or do we want to do Manbat uh, as a part of the team? And uh, Clayface felt like the better choice. I thought the Pathos was a bit uh, a bit more powerful. Uh, Kirk, like, Manbat's always been kind of a, a gray character. Like, he's never been purely evil. Like, he's, right. you know, been reformed. We've seen his family life and all of that. He's, you know, he's not just a pure bad guy. But Clayface has been a, a much purer bad guy, even though he has a sad backstory. So it was something that, you know, it, it felt more it, like I could draw more out of it. And it was also something where... You know, just pure practicality. If you have a team of, like, you know, Batman's Black Ops team, who, what's the most useful uh, character for that team? And a shapeshifter who can turn into, like, uh, you know, a, like a giant, like, Hulk-sized thing uh, at the same time. <laughs> He's, like, he can be both the most stealthy of all of them, but also they're one of their heaviest hitters. So it was just, like, he, his utility on the team was, like, you know was a big part of it too. Right. Well, so going through your, uh, basically the treatment of using the monster of Clayface and then how you've been basically going all in on the horror aspect of the DC universe with Justice League Dark, uh, I want to take a moment to talk about Something is Killing the Children. Yeah. Uh, this, this is an indie book you're writing. First off, the art caught my eye right off the bat. Uh, the, the designs, the character designs, the worlds you've set up, just the before you were even putting it out, seeing all the announcements for it, I was like, okay, this is definitely going to be good. I, he showed me he knows how to do horror. This isn't like you just, I've never done this. Let's see what happens. You, you got this down. Uh, what do you want to talk about with that? Like, What inspired you to write Something is Killing the Children? What inspires you to create the main character? I can't think of her name off the top of my head. I just... I know Erica the image. Slaughter. <laughs> Eric a Slaughter? I didn't even know oh, her yeah. last name was Slaughter. <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh yeah, no. She's uh she's a character I'm very I'm excited for people to learn more about her and her whole world as the series uh continues. And you know, we're two issues in right now. There's been an incredible response, which I am so grateful for. Uh that you know, I think the you know, the first issue I think is on its fifth printing. It's you know, super oh, wow. exciting yeah. stuff. Like that cliffhanger in issue two. I, I definitely want to know what's gonna happen with that. Cause the way you were setting it up in issue one, I'm like, okay, so it's gonna be kind of like there's these creepy monsters out there and she's trying to kill them. Yeah. Like, got it. And then issue two, it's like there's a lot more going on than just she's driving around killing monsters. <laughs> oh yeah. No, there's a there's a whole mythology that I'm really excited to uncover. Uh, that we're going to, you know, over the first arc, we kind of start seeing pieces of it uh, while she's operating in Archer's Peak. And then we'll see more characters come in that, that really expand it. But it's a it's a whole world that we're trying to build here. And uh, it's a world I'm very, very excited about. And yeah, no, this is a ser Honestly, the thing that is most exciting to me about Something is Killing the Children is that, you know, the last few years, I sort of dedicated everything to DC. Like all of my, you know, I, I didn't launch any new creator owned series, uh, you know, since 2017 was the last time I, I did a creator, a new creator owned series. Was uh, that the woods? Uh, that was, uh, it, it was one of my apocalypse stories for boom studios. It was, uh, okay. uh, it was called eugenic, uh, was the last one. And that was oh, in 2017. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of all of that. The, I think the best known of those three is mimetic, which you can see the sloth right there. Uh, that I my shoulder. Yeah. Yes. That, that was <laughs> the first apocalypse story. 
Um, and then I did the woods and all of that, but that was sort of right at, you know, right at the beginning of my career around when I was doing Batman eternal. Uh, but while I was working on detective comics, I kind of, you know, I just dedicated everything to DC and I'm, you know, I'm incredibly happy with all of the work that I've been able to do. It's, you know, it's a tremendous honor that they've put so much faith in me, uh, there, but it was something that, you know, the, the sorts of comics that made me want to write comics were more, uh, you know, it was Sandman. It was, you know, it was the Vertigo books that I was reading. When I was uh, just out of college, I was a intern at Vertigo. And it was sort of the like telling personal stories and building my own worlds has always been such an important part to me as a creator and what I want to br bring into the comics community. So being able to come back into the creator owned space and launch a new series, a horror series that it's, that feels very unlike anything I'm doing in the superhero world. Um, and has its own voice with its own character, uh, and try to do something, oh, you know, different and, you know, something that makes a bit of a statement. And it's, uh, it, like, honestly, I'm just so happy that people have responded to that because it was something that I needed creatively. I needed to stretch some different muscles and, uh, the but you know like half the time you're you're never sure if you're gonna just sort of do that and it's like it's good that you did that but nobody really read it it's off in the corner but right. people have really really responded to this and you know i think we're in this amazing moment right now in comics like this is uh there's sort of a horror comic renaissance happening right now like you know today i'm so thankful for that i love oh, yeah. horror comics <laughs> me too and it's just like you've got joe hill coming back into the comic space in a big way you've got some great horror comics coming out of a company companies like vault like and then obviously boom studios where i'm doing something is killing the children and it's just like it's it's so i love horror comics horror comics have always been my favorite comics and i wanted to do something really scary something that scared me uh, and something that deeply personal and uh, something is killing the children is, you know, sort of the first foray back into the creator owned space, but it won't be the last I've got, I've got more irons in the fire that are cooking. Nice. I mean, for me with horror comics, I like them because I find them to be more unpredictable superhero books. I love them. I, I read them all day, but like I said, with the Clayface thing, like I, your story was amazing, but at the end we're like, and Clayface will be back eventually. Yeah. Like you ended it on a great note, but I know where this is going to go eventually, whether you write it or not while horror yeah. books, especially in the indie space, you have no idea where that's going to go. There's no guarantee anybody's coming back or what's going to happen. And being horror, they don't normally abide by any normal rules. Even your Justice League Dark, one thing I love about your Justice League Dark is you're, you don't seem to be abiding by normal superhero tropes and rules, like turning, uh, going deeper into the whole Doctor Fate thing with the Lords of Order and stuff like that, and yeah. using Bobo Chimp. You'd never see that in a normal comic book run, basically. And that's yeah. what I like about that. And that's what I like about these horror books and the renaissance we're getting with these horror books because that's just going all the way in of, I don't know what's happening. And I love not knowing what's going to happen. From a guy who reads like 30 to 40 books a week, you kind of see a lot of the same patterns emerging in general across books. Oh, absolutely. So. No, and that's it. And that's so, that's so much of the freedom of it. There is like superhero sto storytelling is a very, you know, it, it's there's a math to it. And it's yeah. a map that you can kind of break and bend and like it. And I, I'm happy that, uh, you know, you pointed out Justice League Dark. I'm, you know, I'm making deliberate decisions there, trying to break out of the mold and do something a little different. I want characters that you assume to be the good guys to be the bad guys and vice versa. Like, you know, magic has always been a kind of morally gray area. And, you know, it, it's fun playing with 
you know, some some of the more traditional stuff. But at the same time, you know, you know, at at the end of a superhero story, good triumphs over evil, and right. that's what people come to superhero comics for. But you're right, horror gives uh, gives storytelling a lot more freedom because you know there it might end terribly for every yeah. <laughs> like you know, i kind of like those stories sometimes though it oh, ends yeah, horribly you, like i'm so sad but i like it <laughs> absolutely no it's good so okay uh well i, I, I do want to state in general with the justice league dark and then justice league odyssey from joshua williamson and justice league from scott snyder all of you guys seem to be breaking the general mold which is what i'm enjoying about all of that the justice league trio of books at the moment so i don't want i don't want people to think that it's only like this is the only book that is doing oh it. no no, no. I, th- I, I think yeah. yours is doing the best <laughs> job out i'll say that out outright yours is i do think it's doing the best job but the, all of them are breaking that generalized mold which i do enjoy well, um, thank you. so okay so justice league let's talk a little bit about th- that the trio that you've been a part of how has that experience been what do you want to say what can you say about the whole working with Scott and Josh on this whole, because you guys are doing your own stories, but you're all kind of keeping them tied together. So as a matter of fact, I have a playlist, which is just Justice League Rebirth, which is all of your guys' stuff in the timeline, as far as I can tell it's supposed yeah. to go. <laughs> no, that's all. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's just been, it's been the most fun that I've ever had in my, my creative life and my time at DC. You know, Scott and Josh are brothers and they are, you know, they are two of my closest friends. We have been talking story now for years. This was something that when we were working on, uh, like Josh and I were working on sort of the tie-in material to the original Dark Knight's Metal, excuse me, uh, event. And that was a, that was the moment that we started seeing like, oh, people are really responding to this. Let's start planting seeds for what comes after. Uh, because, you know, at the beginning, like metal's a big, crazy event and it's just like, you know, what is, what are we going to really be able to drive from this? But then once we started seeing the response and realizing like, okay, Scott's going to take on justice league and that's going to be the, the core book. And then we want to do something that, that goes into the cosmic space with Odyssey. And we want something that goes into the magic space with dark. And we want there to be this larger tapestry that we're building that all comes from this final moment at the end of death metal, where the source wall breaks open and a lot of, and the source wall breaking open, it's like, it's a literal plot driving move but it was also something that we wanted to that there's a there's a like basic symbolism to that which is you know the source wall was the barrier at the edge of the dc universe it's the thing that limited the scope of story in the dc universe because the mythology was set like all of these things had rules and then basically we wanted to blow up that wall that held all of the things set in in dc continuity and allow us to tell new stories new exciting stories so that was sort of the the mandate uh, that we wanted to to build out from, and it's something that I am I, I'm extraordinarily proud of the work we've done, and we're and it's amazing finally seeing all of these threads come come together. You know, we're seeing it not only in the in the core Justice League books, but then through the you know Scott and uh, Jock did the Batman Who Laughs miniseries, which yes. then tailed directly into uh, Josh Williamson's. Uh, uh, Batman Superman series, which then and then all of these threads really start converging at the end of the year uh, with uh, 
an event uh, that I'm writing called Year of the Villain Hell Arisen, uh, which I'm doing with Steve Epting. And that is basically, you know, it's Lex Luthor, the apex Lex Luthor we've been seeing develop over the last uh, year and a half and versus the Batman who laughs. And it's sort of, you know, it's a classic aliens versus predator situation. Whoever wins, we lose. And uh, honestly, it's one of the most fun things that I've ever written. Uh, it's so, I mean, that the most amazing thing about this era of DC Comics is just being able to take all of the toys out of the toy box and tell big stories that, you know, that, that there are no rules on. A lot of times when you're working in superhero fiction, there are, you know, you're, you're sort of kept in a box. Like, if yep. you're, you, you know, even uh, on, on a big book like Batman, like, you know, Batman's still going to continue to appear in Justice League and stuff like that. So you can affect Gotham. You can change Gotham in a million different ways. But the DC universe is going to be set in some core ways. And the big thing that uh, I am so grateful for is that we have been given uh, the, the latitude to make some major moves in terms of the DC cosmology and uh, the larger multiverse and all of it. The scale of the story is crazy. Like if I were to tell uh, the Scott and James from, you know, 2014 uh working on batman eternal that you know like perpetua and <laughs> source wall and all of this stuff i'm sure like we would both be like what what the hell have you done uh <laughs> what have That's you what I love it about it but i mean, I mean like we're just... there's, a, there's a huge joy to it there's like yeah. you know and that's that's what we want to impart on the reader we wanted to do big joyous like even though we're dealing with really dark stuff, we want it to be like overwhelmingly fun. And we want the feeling of your, you have all the action figures poured out on the like ground in front of you and you're <laughs> picking them up and you're smashing them together. Like we want that kind of uh, spirit. You guys have definitely achieved it. That's what I was saying. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in justice league, justice league, Good dark and justice league, honestly, because you guys are just breaking all the rules. There's, it doesn't, it's not following the traditional flow of a superhero story where you're kind of going to know where it's going to go and stuff like that. That's what I'm enjoying so much about the three of your books and then how they all intertwine and work together. And there's references that actually ties them all. It reminds me of, it just, it, it's almost like a big reward for a reader like me who reads so many different books that, Oh, Oh, they're all tying to, Oh, they're, they're talking about this and this happened over here. And like, it's a reward for me who does read everything. And I like that, but I don't feel like you need to read everything to truly understand it because like your book runs perfectly fine by itself. If you just want to read that magic universe. And that's what I love about them. They, they tie together, but they don't at the same time, just enough to make it work. I mean, that was, that was the plan. That's what we wanted. We want, always wanted it to be like modular in a way. We wanted each part to be something full in and of itself, but all telling these huge stories that sort of work in concert with each other. It was, you know, it's, and that's the amazing thing is, you know, we've been able to, we've been able to carry out this big plan that, you know, how it'll all culminate you know, in the, in the coming year, you, you know, everyone will have to wait and see, but it's, uh, you know, it's exciting stuff. And, uh, it's just as a fanboy who is, you know, like reading every issue of infinite crisis with like bated breath, like that just, you know, <clears throat> I remember being in high school when that, when that story came out and, uh, you know, picking up every single issue and, like just wishing that I that one day I would be in the room, 
like where where those sorts of decisions are being made about the characters and the direction of the universe and uh you know and the ability to tell these huge stories with real consequences uh you know it's 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 a dream come true like and it's a pure love letter for all things DC comics you guys are doing such a great job for the record that because uh, I get a lot of comments from people when I cover the books and they say, oh, this was wrong or this got, th- they messed this up or continuity got messed up here. Or where did this, the only complaint I've been getting, or not complaint, I guess, but like the only nitpick I've noticed the fans picking out when we cover these books is that Batman is in every location. <laughs> I'm like, well, if, if, if that's your one nitpick and you just don't read enough comics, they're like, oh yeah, how is Batman looking at the symbol? Uh, what is the official symbol called? The one oh, that's the, in the, sky the right. Doom Sigil, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Doom Sigil, yeah. They're like, how is Batman with the Justice League seeing it? And he's over here by himself seeing it, and he's over here. And I'm like, if that's your only nitpick, I think they're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. <laughs> so, okay, so now let's go to the nitty-gritty of I don't know what you could talk about and what you can't talk about, and this is going to be the fun part because <laughs> we're going to be playing in a minefield. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I guess I'll open up with the question that I got asked because I don't know the answer to this because I'll admit I don't follow solicits. I like the surprise. I like to know, yeah. like, oh, what's happening? Because you look at solicits, you're like, in six months, Batman died. Okay. I did, for the record, everybody <laughs> watching, that's not in the solicits right yeah. now. I'm just saying that's the kind of stuff we see. So right. I avoid them for that reason. Um, Justice League Dark, first off, the big question I've gotten asked by a couple people was, is it going to be ending with you picking up on the Batman run? Uh, the answer there is an emphatic no. Uh, okay. You know, the thing that I've, you know, I've, I've said, said in a few places, and there'll be more news on this publicly, is I might bring in a little bit of help to, you know, at, to ease the transition as I, I get gearing up on uh, on Batman. But the, you know, Justice League Dark has been telling a big story uh, since issue number one, and that story is not finished, and that. Okay. And I intend to finish the story that I set out to tell. So this is something that I am, you know, like, stay tuned. There there will be more news on this front than, uh, like, very shortly. But, you know, I am I, I am not just uh, hightailing it out of, uh, out, of, out of Justice League Dark. Okay, because as a fan of books like Justice League Dark that are a little more out there, magical, dark world kind of stuff, and, you know, in horror books... We have a tendency to get like really good stories ramped up and then, oh, well, it didn't sell. So we're going to cancel that and move the writer over to this project. And then we're all just sitting here going, oh, another one didn't end. So <laughs> that's exciting to hear that it's not going to be wrapped up so that you can move over to Batman. Which then leads us to the question that everyone wants to know. What can you say about your Batman? What's inspired you? Where do you, where do you want to bring it without telling us where it's going? What can... I, I don't know what to ask and what you can answer. So, <laughs> oh, that's super fair. No, it's uh, like, and I need to be very careful about my answers. Yeah. All this. Uh, but this is why I don't want to be like, so who's Batman's new sidekick? You know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean the the biggest things that I can say is you know what has been my kind of guiding light for uh for this story is uh I've, I've been calling it an action horror story uh it's you know i've been writing a lot of things and going back and forth with my editors and the artists that i'm working with uh and trying to really set the tone of what we're of the t- sort of s- story that we want to tell uh and i want to do something scary i think that uh you know my favorite batman stories have that element of horror to them because uh, to them because i think 
the an element that gets forgotten about Batman is that he is a scary character. Like this is, you know, he is he he puts on the costume to put fear in the hearts of the the villains he's facing. It's uh, criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot, and he plays into that. And then, you know, how playing off of the idea of you know how Batman uses Batman the idea of Batman as a weapon. Uh, to instill superstition and instill uh, cowardice uh, is uh, very core to him as a character. And, you know, and it's also one of those things where putting Batman in a situation where he's afraid is a, you know, that it, it gives it weight because, you know, it takes a lot to scare Batman. So that that's sort of part of my challenge to myself. Uh, in the next year, you know, this is uh, going to be a story that's built on the, you know, the, like for the last year, we've seen Bane take over Gotham City. He is, you know, he's in the Batcave. He's taken over, you know, like Arkham, uh, the police department, all of that. It's, you know, the city has been compromised in this fundamental way. And then on top of that, you know, we have seen Batman's core, you know, emotional cast surrounding him uh, change in a in a really, really massive way, which means that the Batman of January, you know, of issue 86, where I'm, I'm coming in, is in a much different place than he was a year ago. And this is also these are the moments where Batman needs to pull together and rebuild. And, you know, in the face of loss. Uh, he needs to become stronger. And that is a real driving force for this year. This is something that he, you know, the rebuilding of Gotham in the wake of Bane, uh, both in a thematic way and then some t- in some t- ways, a very literal way, is going to drive the story forward. And what are Batman's designs for the city? And who else has designs for the city? And it's a, you know, the story that I want to tell is going to bring some of his, you know, core villains, the the core cast of Batman villains that people all know and love to the forefront and really examine their relationship with Batman and their relationship to the city itself. Okay. I mean, that sounds like an awesome ride. And I'm excited (laughs) to hear about what's going to happen with this. Uh, I don't know if you can answer this, but it's just something that struck me as a bit odd. Uh, And I, and but you might not even know the answer to this, but okay. the so you're going to pick up at Batman '86, right? Yes. Okay. They've recently been restarting every time they had a new writer for basically number one as what we've seen. I'm just curious as to why we're going to continue and why they weren't just going to restart it with you, or if you can answer, or if you just don't even know the answer. You're just like, no, they told me it's '86. I mean, it, <laughs> uh, I I don't know how much I can say uh, to speak to that, but I I know okay. that they're like I, I think the constant restarting uh, is something that retailers can uh, like get upset about. And I know there's a cleanness to a new number one, but it's also something that, you know, I want to be very clear. We are building off of the continuity of the last uh, few years. This isn't a, you know, totally clean continuity reset kind of moment. This is the continuation of, the world that Batman has been living in, you know, from Scott to Tom to now. And this is, uh, so the, that continuation is very much a part of it. And I love, I love holding to the classic numbering, like, you know, the, 
like obvious like it, nothing would make me happier is if we even went all the way and did what we did when i came on to detective and went to the full classic lettering uh, right. numbering but i miss those i yeah no i like the high numbers <laughs> there there's something very satisfying i'm very happy that my you know detective run started with 934 and uh 934 to 981 um, I'm probably now that I said that that confidently, that won't be the right answer. That those aren't, <laughs> but it's you know that I I'm happy that it's just going to continue. I like when stories just like you know there there's something core superhero about that, and there it's also it's core to the challenges of the book too, where it's just like you uh, challenges as a writer, where it's just like okay, like the the last person you know threw some. Uh, you know, throw some curveballs that then you have to catch. And it's like that, right. that is part of working in a superhero universe. And is something that I think, uh, you know, I don't think fans like it when people just come in and just like raise the ground, at, like raise everything to the ground and then just, you know, don't, don't pay it. Like don't pick up on the threads that have been, uh, you know, playing out for a while. I want to pick up on threads. I want, you know, I want to make sure that the stories that people have read and love matter. Um, and that goes all the way back to, you know, everything from the recent era. Yeah. No, I, let me be clear. I prefer the higher numbers myself. Yeah. Um, I just noticed a trend recently between Marvel and DC where it's like, new writer, number one, new writer, number one. Or uh, uh, Spider-Gwen's actually the most egregious of this whole thing where they wouldn't even change the writing team. They just gave her a new number one every like 12 issues. Oh, yeah. And they, and they, they would even be like, and it's also volume one. I'm like, now, now I'm lost. I don't know where to go. <laughs> yeah no there there's always a bit of a struggle when it comes to like i mean i i think part of it is just you know everyone everyone always wants big sales and all of that a new number yeah. one gets you big sales but uh yeah i i would be happy if everything just went to classic numbering but then you know but i do want like big new takes i want the spirit of, like my issue 86 is this has the spirit of a new number one I want to make it clear that's a jumping on point, even though I'm picking up threads for what's come before. If you haven't read a Batman story in the last, like, you know, two or three years, you can come in clean with issue 86. Uh, but it, you know, it is the start of a big new story. You see, I'm going to, I'm going to take you up on that challenge then. I've, I've got, I've got people at our office that completely dislike Tom King's run. I am enjoying Tom King's run and I enjoyed all of Scott Snyder's run. So I, I'm that fan that has been reading all the way through. And then I got people that dropped off of it probably, I think, at the start of Tom King's run. So it'll be interesting to see the different opinions on that issue 86. Oh, see yeah. if it's a good no, jumping I'm, on point. I'm and terrified. If I'm... I am straight up terrified. <laughs> it's like I am tremendously proud of the script. I've been, like, right. fine-tuning it. I've been, like, running it by my closest friends. I want, like, I want these, you know... Like I'm, I'm. I promise you, I'm giving this my all, and the pages oh, that are coming you, yeah. in from Tony Daniel are just absolutely incredible. Uh, I'm so, so, so excited about this book. But it is something that I am, you know, like I, it, like it, it'll sink or swim on its own merits, and that's, uh, you know, that's how it goes. So I want, I'm, but I'm, I'm gonna bring it. Like I want to be uh, the, you know, the best superhero comic I've ever written. And that's the, that is the challenge that I'm, you know, setting out to myself. I mean, that's a high challenge and you picked Batman for it. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I, I, I'm a, like I said, I'm a fan of your work. I'm a fan of where Batman's gone. You're not just going to throw it all up and start it all over. I get that the fans, there are things that Tom King did that they aren't a fan of. That's fine. But I, you know, I would have hated you to see everything go away because it got a weird, like, 
I don't even want to say backlash because it still sold well. But everyone likes, you know, if you go on Twitter, you always hear about people complaining about it. I mean, and I think everyone, like everyone, has different tastes, and everyone has, uh, you know, the like there there are always stories that people respond to or don't respond to. But this is something where, like, I want, like the you know, but it, the the challenge of a superhero universe is building off of what's come before, and uh, you know, I think the. Tonally, my run's going to be different than uh, than what Tom's been been doing, but it's going to be very respectful of what Tom's been doing. So, you know, the like you will you will see like I, I'm I'm excited for people to see how uh you know how I've approached this. Yeah, your your direction on the whole thing. See what people say about that. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I'm trying to trying to think of any, anything else that we could really. What what haven't we tackled that you want to talk about? I mean, we've tackled today? pretty much everything. This is uh, you know, everything else that we're working on, you know, at DC and outside of DC is all uh very, you know, like I've I've got a lot of a lot of things going on. I am very very excited for people to find out about the secret things that I can't talk about yet and <laughs> or uh but I mean, the biggest thing is just, you know, it's uh, Gotham in 2020. I'm trying to build something really, uh, really big, really awesome. And uh, I hope fans love it. All right. Well, I mean, there's not much else to talk about as far as I can think. Is there anything else you want to last minute promote? You want to talk about something is killing the children again or anything along those lines? So, yeah, uh, something is killing the children. Number three will be out uh, in November. Uh, the first two issues are out right now. They're available on Comixology. Uh, I, you know, I think the fifth printing is of. I wish I knew offhand when that fifth printing is coming out, but <laughs> gotcha. Uh, you know, if if you missed it, I recommend checking it out on Comixology right now, or asking your uh, local comic shop if they have any any copies. Uh, people seem to like it, so I hope you like it too. Uh, it's good, a uh, good story for Halloween, and uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm just extremely excited about everything we're building at DC right now, and everything that I'm building outside of it, and I hope you come along for the ride. All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I hope you guys watching enjoyed this interview, and uh, we're gonna cut back to the segment of the regular show we popped it into. Uh, thank you again, and we'll talk to you soon. I hope. All right, so have a good one. So we actually sat here for the entire 45-minute interview. Just staring at the screen. Just staring, waiting for you to come back to this. I, I was so alone. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed. Don't forget, you can find this show on Spotify, iTunes, Patreon, uh, Twitch, YouTube. It, we air, we film it every Thursday. Not on MySpace. The only oh. place we don't go. Oh, but we yeah. are on Friendster. Uh, <laughs> Friendster. LinkedIn, I LinkedIn. believe. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, but we, yeah, we do film it Thursday, and over the course of Thursday to Saturday, it gets released in all of these various locations. And thank you guys for your continued support. We really do appreciate it. It's because of support like yours that these two get jobs. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> and hope you're not going to see this episode unless you watched it live. Well, even the full episode won't be up on time. But either way, I hope you had a great Halloween. We definitely did if you can't figure that out. Uh, and don't forget about our sponsor, G Fuel, where you can get 10% off your order if you go use the code COMICS at checkout. And I'll see you guys next time right here at Comics Experiment. Stay spooky, everybody. Autobots roll out. Bye.